Um, Pastor Trevor mentioned this, but uh, we have, <laughs> looks like I actually grabbed two Genesis's. <laughs> I, had, I had a June, it must be over there now. But we have the Bible reading plan, and it's uh, going to, you'll, you'll see, it's Jesus-themed this year, which means we have to read the entire Bible to learn about Jesus. Not have to, get to, get to. You will also find on the back, you can grab one of these, 30 days of prayer, and uh, we will talk more about it, but I want to give a shout out to our prayer coordinator over here, Sister Nancy. Pay attention online, you will see more great things to come, and you will see some things throughout the church here. Um, I would like to dismiss all of our fine children who were angry with me a few weeks ago when they didn't understand why I did not release them for 10 minutes. I thought the teachers might thank me. Um, and I believe we have ladies tonight. So, and I believe we have set your class back a couple of weeks between sickness, weather, and a great move of God. With that, I should have opened my notes already, but... I'm glad to be here tonight. Glad to be with you all. Thank you for coming to my living room a couple of times. Um, and uh, um, Bishop, he is a pro at preaching from the house. I think I feel much better after two times here. So if I can get the look a little better, we'll... We're sorting that out, but I think we, we saw, saw differences. It's because we were like, hey, how can we best make it comfortable for you? Um, all right. Well, I would like to turn. We will turn to Matthew chapter 18. Got a few verses. Says, Matthew chapter 18, um, verse 1. says, And at that same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. I like that. You see Jesus setting these talking. First off, when rabbis taught, they set. We stand today. I suppose if I wanted to go back and do it like the Jews did or the biblical culture, I would set up here. And you would stand. And that would make for a long service because I'd be very comfortable and you would not. <laughs> and uh, um, maybe that's why they got it flipped around. But, but they're talking to him. And, and can you just see it? They would ask Jesus a question. And, and he's like, oh, let's bring a child over here. And so he said, who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. And he said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And I think we can flip over. We're going to be talk, coming out of the book of Luke as well in um, a couple of places. But we'll go to Luke chapter 2. And we will, we will look at verse 15, and it says, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord made known.
important to us. Jesus, I ask you to speak to us tonight. Reach into our hearts and lives. God, we want to connect with you. We want to become more like you in, in your image. In Jesus' name, amen. As I was reading that where it says, and the angels were gone away into heaven and the shepherds said one to another, let us go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass. Um, made me jump forward, you know, Luke wrote the book of Luke and he wrote the book of Acts. And when you go to the book of Acts, you see another encounter as Jesus is going up into heaven and then there's angels that speak to the disciples and say, why stand you gazing up into heaven and told them, you know, get to Jerusalem. And they made their way to another place, another house, another room. And I want to make my way to wherever that God has called me to, wherever that good news is pointing to. I don't want to stand just where I heard the message. And we hear preaching from this pulpit, but then it points in a direction. And I want to run to that place because you know what you find in that place? That's where you will find God. That's where you'll find God. Um, I have wondered in my life as I have, uh, I got the Holy Ghost when I was 12 years old. Um, and I had some, these great moments at church camp. It has been a long time since I have been to, to Sunday school, junior camp, and senior camp. And I had great moments, and I can tell you about laying out on the floor and, and, and feeling the presence of God and, and just Him overwhelming me and washing over me and, and feeling His power. And yet, those moments in and of themselves, I said it's been a long time since I've been to camp. Sometimes we go back to certain places or, or certain altars and we connect with God in, in certain ways again. And I'll say, God, you know, I just want to connect with you that way again. But then in talking to him about it, it was, Lucas, there's new ways we have to connect. There's new altars that get built. There's new things I do in your life. Because in a moment over here, you floated in my presence. And, and I don't know that I literally floated. In case, in case somebody was going to ask me that later, that would be really cool. Um, but I don't think that actually happened. But I felt that way. I felt that way. But then other moments, God has said, but now I need you to experience me in personal Bible study. And then another moment, my, my dad said, hey, what's going on? And, and, he said, and I said, oh, man, I, I'm, I just feel like, where's, where's my purpose? Where's my point? And he says, where did you find yourself happiest at? And I said, well, when I was teaching somebody a Bible study. Why is that? Because that's where Jesus had moved to. Jesus was no longer standing on the mountain with the disciples. The angels, when they gave the proclamation to the shepherds, they went away. The good news was no longer in the field. It was in the stable. Jesus was no longer on the mountain. He was going to be arriving in an upper room. And when he rose again from the grave, he was no longer in the tomb. He said, find me in Galilee. And so when the word goes forth, and we have this altar moment here, that's why we invite you up here. Now I know that, that it's something that we're doing in the physical because we're taking steps in the spiritual. But we, we invite you and say, hey, would you come up to this altar? What we're saying is, hey, I need you to take a step in the message. I need you to take a step in what God is, is speaking into your life. Go ahead and, and, and put it into the physical because you're going to do it in your heart. 
So you can pray back in your seats. You can pray over here in the corner. You may come up here and pray. But we have that call because we're saying, hey, it's now time to take the word and meet God in that moment. So, so when you come here or back there and you begin to connect with God in prayer, it, God is now in that place of the altar where he wants to meet you. But then there's a time here where we, we uh, deploy you. We send you out. Why? Well, why can't I hang around the altar forever? Because Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to be in your home when you get there. Meet me in Galilee. Or like the angels said, wait, wait a second, we need to find a stable. We need to find a place over here. Why? Because we need to meet Jesus there. I, I don't know who this is for. This isn't anything in my notes, but this is pretty good stuff. Um, some of you are being compelled to a moment where, where the word's gone out and Jesus is waiting right there for you. And you need to step over to that place. Oh, we're getting ready to talk a little more about the shepherds. Now, biblically, shepherds, it's across the board. Sometimes when you read about a shepherd, a king was considered a shepherd. But in this time, yes, these might have been temple shepherds. But still, it was a dirty job. And they were out in the field. And it wasn't necessarily the most high-class position to be in. Yet, Jesus came and it had the message announced to shepherds. Oh, it wasn't announced in Herod's household. When it was announced, it was announced by people who had been looking. It was announced by wise men. Oh, but when God said, I'm going to make a personal and, and uh, uh, um, great angelic proclamation, it was to shepherds. And I want you to know that you may see yourself at the bottom of the totem pole. And this fits with where we're going tonight. You may see yourself as the lowest. You may see yourself as, as the most vulnerable. Oh, but God has come and personally given you words and spoken to your life. So stop just seeing yourself saying, oh, I'm not worthy of the word. Instead say, I'm not worthy. But he announced to me, so I'm going to respond. And go and find the stable. Go and find where it is you're supposed to be. Because he's got something for you. All right. Well, let's get back to shepherds, or children, shepherds, and sheep. Leading up, leading up. I think this will connect uh, at least the shepherd part of it here and the lowliness part of it. But when we were here in in the book of Matthew, to start with, we see that the disciples came to Jesus and, and they were asking about who would be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. They were all excited and anticipating it. And in this passage, Jesus talks to them about if you offend a little child and, and, and he goes on and he talks about how it better be a millstone hung about your neck. And, and then he goes from there and he talks about sheep that had gone astray and and then forgiving your brother. And, and, and so this all connects and he talks about reaching and helping and, and loving. And we've preached out of this passage um, not too long ago. And in that moment I talked to you about the fact that, yes, we need to look out for little children. But both while this passage applies to God looking down on that little child, it also applies to you and who are you going to become. And so Jesus, when he began to lay out little children, is it that we would say they're innocent? Because I'm telling you right now, 
my kids get in trouble. So if they're innocent, then I'm completely wrong with every bit of discipline that I've done. If they're so sweet and perfect and, and they wouldn't tell a lie, well, did you tell a lie as a kid? Did you even know what lying was? No, we all know that children, they do tell lies and they have to be corrected. And, and so what is it about children? And so one of the things is they're completely helpless. And you say, Trevor, well, Millie is not so helpless anymore. I expect her, I say, go get ready for church and I expect her to do certain things. And they say, well, can I have a cup of water? And if your kid can reach the cupboard, you're like, you can get your own glass of water. I don't need to do all of it. But yet at the end of the day, the house they live in, the food on the table, everything is provided by you. Your children did not have options to come to church tonight. At least I hope they did not have options. You brought them. You put them here. Your children didn't have options about going to school. At least I hope they didn't have options. Or being kind or nice. Or These are things that you're saying, hey, you need to do in your teaching. They are helpless. And when it comes to God, we need to be utterly dependent on Him. You need to have that awareness that everything you have in life comes from Him. And trust me, this begins to help out. When you look at the pocketbook and you say, well, man, I make this much at my job. But then when you say everything comes from Him. Now just your job now is just a portion of how God provides for your life. Yes, He gives you some physical money that comes from that place and interaction and time you spend there. But everything you had in life came from Him, including in those Christmas presents that you got. In anything that somebody else has done in your life, it came from God. Helpless. But also there's something else about children, and that is when you become, as a child, you're at the bottom of the totem pole. You have... Going to that place brings a level of humiliation. Because you're an adult. You've got it all together. You, you were there. But when you're a child, everybody's above you. Pastor Trevor, do you mind running back and grabbing me a bottle of water? If my kid was in here, I could have turned to Finn and I could have said, I'm not calling Trevor my kid. But I could have said, hey, could you grab me a bottle of water? And, and he would be, okay, I'm going to go back there. Now, sometimes my children come, thank you. Now, I do like a good drink of water, so I'll take a drink. But The reason I had him go back and grab me that water is because tonight I stand here at this pulpit. And Trevor, in honor to the pulpit, in honor to what I'm doing tonight, and now the kindness of his heart, and because I did it publicly in front of all of you, if he had said no, he'd have been a little embarrassed. I had authority up here based off of my position tonight and public humiliation in which I was able to, so to speak, downward say, could you do this? And even though I did it as a request, it was as if I was giving a little bit of an order. And you do this in your home. When your kid says they're over there playing a game and they say, could you go grab me a glass of water? You're like, well, hold on a second. Is it that they can't reach it? Or did they just tell me as the parent what to do? When they're really busy and they're like, hey, hey, uh, dad, could you go grab me some lunch? I'm, I'm busy right here. Just bring it over here. You're like, hold on a second. Sister Nancy, does that fly well with your house? Bishop, you've got kids at home now. 
And you love those children, and they're adults. They're adults now. So, if Brooklyn's over there, and she's sitting on the couch, and she's enjoying a good movie, and she says, Dad, would you jump up and run in the kitchen and make me a bag of popcorn? You're going to want to know what the context is within, as in, am I doing a sweet dad thing? Or are you expecting me to serve you? Who's the boss? When my boss at work says, this is what we're doing, Lucas, we do it. If he said to me, even though it's not in my job description, at some point I probably could say, hey, that doesn't fit with why you hired me. But if he said, hey, I need you to go grab me a cup of coffee, I would probably respond first to get the cup of coffee. You know, why? When he tells me, we're, we're, I'm, I'm the project manager. I see pro people who have problems with this. They're like, you gave me the project. I'm the project manager. Therefore, I am over this project. And the boss walks over that assigned you to the project, and finally, after discussing some stuff, they say, no, I don't want you to take it that direction. Take it this direction. People go, hold on, why did the boss just tell me he's inserting himself into my job? Doesn't he know I'm in charge of this job? And you're like, well, are you going to go to jail for making the change? Well, no. Is it not ethical? Is it not legal? Is it not moral? No. Is it within the purview? Yeah. Well, I think you've got to do what they said. They're the boss. Well, I'm the boss. I'm in charge. They don't like that somebody who's above them just stepped in and changed it up. And they're like, well, why? that's not even smart. I'm like, I don't care if it's smart. They're the boss. Maybe it would have been smart for them to listen. They didn't listen. But they're still the boss. Why? They have authority up here. But when you're a child, you don't have any of that. You don't get to tell the pastor, go get me a bag of popcorn. You don't just get to say, grab me a glass of water while you're up. You're the child. And yet Jesus said, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Except you become as this little child. Except you be converted and become as little children. You shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And that brings you to a place of humiliation because you went from here and here down to here. So this isn't the only places where Jesus covers these things. When Jesus was going to be crucified on the cross and he is at the, the Last Supper, the book of Luke brings out the account. There was something going on there in between, in the midst of them. And he brings out the account, and, and he says in verse chapter 22, verse 24, and there was also strife among them, um, which of them should be accounted as greatest. There's that greatest again. And he said unto them, the kings of the Gentile exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority among them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be the younger and he that is chief, he that doth serve. For whether it is greater that he that setteth at meat or he that serveth, is it not he that setteth at the meal? They're like, you know, we got this. This is a great parable, Jesus. That's a great example. Jesus isn't disputing. He just told them, isn't it the chief? And this is how it works, right? Right? We got this? And then he goes, aha. But we're changing things up here. Why? He goes ahead and he says, but I am among you as he that serveth. I know how it works, guys. But I am among you as he that serveth. This conversation that must have unfolded here at the Last Supper, 
the book of John goes ahead and highlights for us uh, um, uh, uh, that Jesus put some things into action and he grabbed a towel and he got down, he got up from the, 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 the couch at the table there and, 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 and somebody would have been over here serving, but he gets up and he steps over and he grabs a basin and a towel. What was that for? Well, when you had done made your road trip in, there was a basin and there was a towel there and you could wash your feet. Why? Because you wore sandals. Tonight I did not wear sandals to church. It is cold outside. And I did not walk. That would not have worked either. It's cold outside. Um, but if you were back there, you would have been wearing sandals and you had dusty feet. When you washed up, you would have wanted to wash that dirt off your feet. And if it was my house, I would have liked you to so you didn't take dust throughout my house. Just like I don't like to walk out in the dirt and snow and then walk in my house and carry it all over. It gets everywhere in the carpets. And so you would have wanted your feet clean. I would have wanted your feet clean. If you were really special, the servant of the house might have cleaned your feet for you. And if you were really special, I, if I were the master of the house and you came in, I might have washed your feet. Because you were so special, I would have said, you know what, I'm not leaving this to the servant. I'm going to do it myself. But normally you'd have come in and said, ah, oh, there's a wash basin. We prepared it for you. <laughs> it's clean water. But Jesus gets up and he says, I'm among you, right? And he's talking to them about service. But in the book of John, he doesn't just say those words. He gets up and he washes their feet. And he wants them to follow that example. John chapter 13. He says, so after he'd washed their feet and taken his garments and was set down, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I, or there, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye ought also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done. Verily, verily, that's saying, This is important. When you see verily, verily, boom. He's doubling the words there. I say to you that the servant is not greater than his Lord. Aha! There's nobody greater than God. And their servant is not greater than his Lord. Neither is he that is sent greater than he that sent. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. And I just want to hit that phrase again. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Now Jesus was talking about servanthood here. But a servant is not greater than his Lord. And everything that Jesus taught, or that he had his apostles put down, or that he had brought to us from this Old Testament within the context of the Scripture, not abusing the Scripture, but within the context of the Scripture, of how it is supposed to apply to our lives, we need to do them. Because our Master has directed us to. And happy are ye, if you do them, well, let's not go King James. Happy are you. You will be happy. You will be content. You will be where you need to be. You will be in the right place if you do what it is, both specifically in this passage and in all the teaching in the book, if you will apply it like it's supposed to be applied to your life, you will be right where he wants you to be. We may make mention of that again later. But this, this teaching of Jesus brought us down 
to the lowest level, the, lo the level of a servant or the level of a child. The level of a servant or the level of the child. Humiliation. And we will come back to this, but as a child, you seemingly have no authority. No authority. And everybody can step on you. Just look at the order in your house. The oldest kid. <laughs> you have, do you have any siblings? <laughs> Are you oldest or youngest? I don't remember. Yes, Tisha. You're the middle child. So how old is your youngest sibling compared? How many years? 16? Okay, I will not ask your age tonight. Who is more the boss? You or 16-year-old? Oh, boy. All right. Well, I can tell you right now, as much as Avery would like to think maybe Finn bosses her around, that's not happening. She's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, <laughs> Right? Especially when you're in the house there. Hold on. If Liam were to come over and say, Avery, this is how it is. She's like, uh, you're not my boss. And if Finn tells Liam, Liam's like, you're not my boss. And Finn would like to tell the rest of the family, you're not my boss. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to do it. And, and they proceed to figure out ways to twist his arm. And then he comes running, and he's like, Dad! He's also the loudest amongst them. They quietly tell him how it's going to be, and he publicly says, it is not how it's going to be. Very loudly, so he knows we can hear. <laughs> and they say it quietly, because they know we can't hear. Um, but why? Because he's like, I'm at the bottom of the totem pole. And he apparently has no authority. Children, shepherds, and sheep. So we will segue back over to Luke chapter 2. And, and we're going to learn about some lessons from the shepherds. Because these shepherds were here. And they were in a position where they received the good news. But they have no authority. They have no, no say in life. They're doing their job. They're over here, and, 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 and this, this, my title here, Leading Up. How do you lead when you have no authority? How do you change people's lives when you're not their boss? How do you impact the project or the company when nobody's put you in charge? How do you get water for everybody when they're... You're not the one that gets to say, go get the water. What do you do when you're not in charge? See, leading in leadership classes, they're everywhere. You just go Google up uh, uh, books on leadership. Now, go Google up books on being a great follower. You'll find some titles. But there isn't major conferences out there. Come to my followership conference. The, the great speakers in the world, um, the John Maxwells, they're not... We think of them as leadership training, and we put leadership training on, leadership, leadership, leadership. And yet, when you look, a lot of times you're like, I got one leader and 50 followers. And project teams, you're like, well, we have the project manager and all these people down here, and you're like, why do they keep telling me to be a leader? Why do they keep saying this? It's because in certain moments in life, you need to influence other people, and you need to have an impact and an effect on their life. And yet you're not in a position where you get to tell them, could you please go get me the water? Or I want you to do this. 
or I need you to make that change. And then on top of that, we have Jesus telling us, I want you to serve. And I need you to become as this little child. So how do you do it when you're at the bottom? How do you do that? And so we can highlight a little bit on these shepherds. And then we'll cycle back around. I noted right off the top that when the shepherds came in Luke chapter, Luke chapter 2 here, that they announced but they couldn't lead. The shepherd or the angel appeared and they told the shepherds, hey, I bring you good news of great joy. But he couldn't make the shepherds go. Could only announce. The angel didn't get to say, go, it's your job. They just said, here's good news of great joy. And when the shepherds had heard the news, first point, and I like to say, is they responded. They heard. We'll say that first off. They were listening. You know, that isn't hard. If the lights of the sky lit up for me, I probably would listen too. I'm with you. I am with you. If there was a big bright light shown right here right now, and a voice spoke to me from heaven, I would listen too. But listening is key. Because listening is also humility. We've had those people in our life that, they were trying to talk, and you're like, you know, and, and, and you're, actually you were trying to talk to them, and you could tell they blew you off right away. They, they're saying, you're saying, hey, I, I got something I want to share with you. Uh, I think this is kind of important. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I got this. I got this, Jeff. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Nope, nope. We already know. I just had that a while back. I told, started to tell somebody something, and they said, hey, you know what? We got that taken care of. You don't need to listen. A little bit later, they needed me to give a small presentation. <laughs> I started to tell some stuff. And they said, well, we didn't know you did all that. And I was like, well, that's because you didn't listen. <laughs> you got this, right? You had this. Listening is an important thing to all people because you can't share what you don't know. You can't put into action what you haven't learned. And so if you refuse to hear, you can't be changed and you sure can't help. If you don't know about the problem, how can you do anything with the problem? They heard. Shepherds heard. The angels announced, but they couldn't make them go. You know what I liked about these shepherds? It says they were keeping their watch. They were out there attentive to these sheep. And you know, it reminds me just a little bit of servanthood. Because those sheep, you would have thought, were at the bottom of the totem pole. But those shepherds weren't sleeping in a nice house that night. They were out there laying on the ground. They were keeping some fires. They were all gathered together. And that little sheep, who was helpless, and who was, quote, at the mercy of everyone around them, and, and had no say in the matter, were being taken care of by shepherds who were like, oh, all right, well, we got to find you some new grass, sheep. Let's get you over here. All right, fo follow me. This is a great example because the shepherd couldn't, if you ever take care of sheep, you can't just shove the sheep along. Now, dogs, they do a pretty good job, but you'll find out that these shepherds would lead the sheep. They got to know the sheep. You see, shepherds would gather all their flocks together, but the sheep within the one flock would know the shepherd's voice. So when the shepherd would start to say, come on, let's go, and begin to walk, all the sheep that were with that shepherd would separate from the flock and say, oh, oh, 
there's our shepherd. But that shepherd, how did they get to know him? Why were they aligned? Because the shepherd was serving. The shepherd was taking care of. The shepherd was, quote, washing the feet. Serving. At many times, that shepherd probably felt like he was at the bottom of the totem pole. So we can learn from them. So the shepherds were doing their job and taking care of, but that day they heard, or that night they heard the news. And after they heard the news, they said, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing. Two points out of this one. So, first point we talked about, they were listening, they heard. Second point I want to bring to you is you see with each of these shepherds, they made a personal decision to obey, to follow the direction of the word. And so as a child, you may be not able to do anything else, but you can do what you've been told to do. As a shepherd, you were the announcement came, and now it's up to you to do something with what you heard. And so each shepherd had to make a decision, I'm going to go and I'm going to do. So second thing, you had to make a personal, this is what I'm going to do. You can't ask somebody else to do something unless you will do it first. That's personal leadership. Announcements come, preachers preach, the word is in your hands, what will you do with it? You can't impact your job unless you show up to work. And you can't help anybody else at that job unless you do the thing that they need you to do. Do your job. So they had to first make up their own mind, their own decision. Second thing we see here is then Trevor, one shepherd wasn't boss of the other shepherd. So what did he say? He didn't say, let's go. I told you, come on, let's go. They said, hey, let's go. Come on, let's go. Let's go. They were having influence across the board. Just because you're not somebody's boss doesn't mean one child can't say to another child, hey, let's go do this. Hey, come on, we, let's go do this. And, and they begin to influence the people next to them. It was a level playing field. Hey, we're side by side here. We're... We're affecting one another. We're saying, and how did they affect them? By saying, by going ahead and saying, I'm going to respond to the word. So if you respond, and then you say, come on, you can do it too. Oh, oh uh, parents, you, can, you have a couple cho- choices with your children. You want your children to be worshipers? You can say to them, you can say, hey, you know what? You really need to worship. I would like you to worship. And someone will tell you, Tell your children to go worship? Well, I'm sorry, didn't you tell your child to go ahead and brush their teeth? At some point early on, you had to tell them, hey, this is what we're going to do. And so when you say, hey, I don't mean that you're up here and you're, you will worship. I don't mean that. I really prefer you not to, to do that, especially right up here, all right? But you're sitting down and you're teaching them. And then you can say, hey, you can encourage them. Why don't you worship? Why don't you go ahead? I want, why don't you take a, try to pray a little bit. Um, you know, we're at church right now. 
And the kid will turn and say, well, can, can I watch the iPad? And you're like, you know, not, not right now. Today we made up our mind. And you can prepare them before church. Hey, tomorrow we're going to go ahead and worship because that's why we go. And they're like, well, why are we going to church again? Because we're going to go and meet with Jesus as a church. Well, can't we meet with Jesus here? Yeah, but there's something special when we all get together and we're all dedicated to it. We want to we just talk to him. And then in church you say, let's go worship. Now you can tell them. But notice I just said, let's go worship. Because you could set and tell them to go worship. Or you could say, hey, let me lead you in worship. Because even though you're, quote, here, you have now come down beside them. And you said, hey, let's do this. And, and one child then can turn to another child and say, hey, let's go worship. And they're definitely not their, each other's boss. But they're influencing one another by their actions. They're not just saying, do. They're saying, let's go. And they're having leadership that goes this way. That's why your struggles are important. When you go through struggle and you go through hardship and yet you live for God, people look over at you and see how you went through it. And you think it was a mess. And yet somebody turns and says, hey, I need some help. A lot of people won't recognize Christianity until they're at the bottom of everything. And then they say, what's the purpose in life? And they will discover that right here, that's when they can find hope and happiness. But it was only after struggle. And where will they see that? When they see that you came through your situation and now you are going to lead them someplace by how you lived. How you lived. So they heard it and they said, let's go. And they made haste. They made haste. Mm. This gospel is for you. For all your anxiousness and desire to fulfill the word of God and to reach the lost and to save people that are struggling and have addictions and their lives are messed up, this hope, Brother Jeff, it's still for you. God wants to comfort you. He wants to be your support. He wants to be with you in the ship. He wants to bring you through the storm. He wants to take care of your storm. He wants to be your friend. And if you first can't connect with God, how can you at all have much of an influence to connect other people to it? I picked on him for a moment, but this is for every one of you. It's for you. This hope's for you. It was for the shepherds. They were looking. Even Herod heard the great news. Oh, if he only would have not been so full of himself and his high level of leadership and preserving his position but instead had responded. You know, he could, I, I, have, I had a gentleman that went to uh, uh, Israel, and he told me that from Herod's palace, he could look down over towards Bethlehem. I believe it was him that shared that. Maybe it was someone else, but you could look down towards Bethlehem. I, I, I think Pastor Jeremy shared that it was like six miles or something from where his location was, and I read another place three, but, but regardless of, of this, Herod was not far away from the God of glory putting on humanity in his midst. So how will you respond? This is for you. And then these shepherds, when it says, they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Mm. 
Oh, they heard the word. They compelled those around them. But they said, first, I got to go see this. I got to find it. Come on, let's go find it. And they got there. And they tasted of it for themselves. And they saw it. Looked at it. They seen it. And it was pleasing to them. They, they, they saw it the moment. They, they said, this is, this is special. This is great. And then they, they went out and, and they said, wait a second. You know what? I'm nobody's boss around here. I'm right down here. We got the city leadership around here. We have a lot of people who, who they're, they're, they're clean and they're in their comfortable homes. And, and, and they're up here in stature. This is the title leading up. If you're a child, everybody's up above you. But that doesn't mean you can't go ahead and begin to share. Oh, you can't make them come, but you can tell them about it. And that's something else I want to bring out. If you don't live it, then your reputation can't be trusted. If you don't have a, a, a lifestyle that people say, you know what, they're good for their word. You know what? I, I seen the mess that they were in, but they're not that way anymore. We need to listen to them. But if you're not... You, has anybody ever had someone come tell you about the greatest business deal? First off, you heard it and you're like, oh, that can't be true. Secondly, if you discovered that person always has the greatest business deal, you're like, uh-uh, not listening to them. Um, or, or you've had that person who's told you a number of things over time and you're like, you know what, I believe you until I have to count on it and then I don't believe you anymore. Well, yeah, I hope you haven't had that disappointment. Yeah, but I've met those people. And their word matters. And then you have other people. They, they may tell you something. And it's hard to believe. And you feel like you need to research a little bit. But you're like, you know what? But they have reputation. I can listen to them. Something about these shepherds. They ran out. And they begin to tell. And they begin to share. And they begin to say, Sister Brittany, they were like, here, let me tell you about this. And, and they begin to to, I can't make you go, but I want you to hear about it. I went and I experienced it. I witnessed it. I heard the word. And while as you don't have an angel here today, and you haven't been to the stable, I'm here at least I can tell you. I wish you could have heard the angel. I wish you had already been to the stable. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to tell you. Somebody hasn't been to the church house. They haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, but the way you respond to God is going to tell them something. And it's going to be their encounter. And that's what's going to draw them. So that's why your lifestyle matters. And that's why you need to go ahead. And if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. First for you, but then for everybody else. So leading up, it starts with you hearing, you implementing. And then while as you are not their boss, you can impact those people around you and you can impact the people above you. I had a gentleman tell me a while back, he, he said, when I walk into a new group in a new room, I look around and I see, as things are unfolding, who is everybody turning to for the answers? Who are they listening to? And he's like, and I know this is the one they're listening to. And that person is the leader. And you're like, well, hey, wait a second. They didn't arrange the meeting. Well, yeah, okay, somebody else. That was their job to arrange the meeting. And maybe there was different leaders for different moments, right? 
But now when they're in the heart of the issue, they're like, well, what should we do here? And that can adjust and it can change. But, but in, in a moment of crisis or a moment of we've got to solve the problem, everybody turns and says, what should we do? And you will find the leaders of your company, when they know I've got to solve a problem, they go on and they dig out that person that you thought was in the back room and they're paid the least amount of money and they say, hey, can you come into the room for a little bit? We need to visit. You think the President of the United States, he's there for four years. He's trying to run this country. He doesn't know anything about anything. And I'm not trying to put the President down. But hey, he has to, if he's smart at all, he's going to say, hey, I need some advice. Colton, he's going to invite the people in. He's going to say, get me the person who knows about this. We got to have a conversation. And they say, well, he's the leader. Well, he might have on his plate to make a decision. But he's got to turn. And right now he's saying, Trevor, you know the facts. Tell me, what do we need to do? And every eye in that place turns. And in that moment, you're leading them with your wisdom, your knowledge, and your advice. You're like, but I'm not their boss. But you're impacting them. And you're changing them. And right now, this world needs spiritual leadership. And you are what they got. They don't have it. And unless you teach them, your children won't have it. You are put in charge to lead and you can only do it by leading up. Because you say out there, well, I told them that's what they need to do. But they need you to lead by example. Leading by example. Leading by example. So, as we're going to wrap it up here in the next few minutes, there's one last thing that happened with these shepherds, and then we'll highlight something Jesus said about the children. And it says, And all that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And then it says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. See, the people looked at these shepherds, and they trusted these shepherds enough to wonder at it. Not to go, a bunch of loony shepherds walked in here tonight, but to wonder at it. But we don't see that anybody else poured into the stable. I don't know if they did or didn't. We just don't see it. We know, and in reading on this and researching it, it says, in all they heard, and, or um, it says, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the sayings that was told them concerning the child. Um, but in reading on it, in reading the, the, the passage here, one of the things I read was that wherever Mary and Joseph were at, they were in the stable, that setup was a good setup. Because culturally, if it was a bad setup, the shepherds would have said, oh man, the king of kings and king of glory is in this dumpy stable and everything's dirty around him and we, you're coming to my house. I'm going to take care of you. But instead, whatever the situation was, the shepherds could not offer something better. And so instead, they said, we got to go proclaim and I don't know if anybody else visited. The Bible doesn't tell us they did. But they, the shepherds didn't let that steal their worship. Because when you're leading up, when you're washing other people's feet, when you're putting into the work, when you're at the lowest level and you've stooped yourself down and said, you know what, let me be humiliated. I, I, I'll be least among you. When you're in that position and everybody seems, and you're in these situations where sometimes you just have to bite your tongue. You're there. 
Don't let it steal your worship. Just because somebody doesn't follow your example, just because they don't hear the word that they're compelled to, just because they say, help me out, and then they don't listen, and they wonder at why you changed. Don't let it steal your worship. Because God has invested into your life. He has poured Himself out at you. And you can go on glorifying. And you can go on praising. We talk about smart goals, measurable goals. Goals are things that you need to do to complete your task. But at the end of the day, when you're leading people, you can set the goal all you want to bring them in. But they're the ones that have to respond. So your goal, if you're making a smart goal, says, I'm going to go tell them. I'm going to go here, and I'm going to go there, and I'm going to do it now. That's your SMART goals. Here's when I'm going to do it. Here's how I'm going to do it. Here's where I'm going to go. And then you say, is that effective or not? Can that, is that going to do what I need it to do? But you can't make them respond. So at the end of the day, you go and you worship God. Now we opened up in the book of Matthew. And Jesus said, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of God. Whosoever shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. You may be the humblest and at the lowest point. I said earlier at the start of this, you have no authority, apparent authority. But yet, you carry with you the authority of God Almighty, Jesus Christ. Because he said anybody who receives you, Brother Jeff, you bring the word, and you're like, I'm back here at the bottom of the totem pole, and, and, and Brother Con, I'm right down here, and what do, what do I got to offer? And, and But I just shared Jesus. I couldn't make anybody come, but I just lived this thing. I just responded to the word. When I had an opportunity to share, there was a place for me to share, I responded. And anybody who receives you, you know what they get a hold of? They get a hold of the power and authority of Jesus Christ. And every devil in hell has to obey and submit its knee to the authority of Jesus Christ. Oh, God shows up on the scene and, and, and the word went out and standing behind you. Oh, I wish I had a little one in here. But go ahead and stand up, Brother Jeff. Maybe you can go ahead and get on your knees, right? Um, because you're over, you can turn around and face the audience. You're not, no, nobody's bowing before me, all right? But you're over here and you're like, well, I'm the lowest here. But stand, if I could just be even bigger, right? Brother Trevor, you come on over here. You're a little bigger than me. Um, this is a compliment right now, okay? Um, right behind you is God Almighty. Oh, and, and a little child. But somebody takes time to listen to you. And you tell them about Jesus. And you're living for Jesus. And Jesus, hallelujah, they receive you. And he's reaching in. This isn't just saying, oh, I gave you a... But it is also, I gave you a cup of water. And God says, you know what? You received them. I'm reaching into your life. No matter how it is, they respond to you in a good way. When they receive you. God is right there behind you because you may be at the lowest place and you may be at, at, at a place of quote no authority but when you humble yourself you know what child of the king oh he said as a little child and when you humble yourself oh you know what he's ultimately going to do he's going to lift you up oh he'll lift you up he brings you through your situation oh right now oh you're under the tutor you're under leadership even on that. Oh, but you have kingly authority behind you. Yes. 
So go ahead. Can we stand to our feet? Leading up. Children, shepherds, and sheep. Because those sheep were the most important thing to that shepherd. Oh, and what they needed, the shepherd took care of. That's why they were there. They knew the voice of the master. Somebody needs to start listening to the king of glory. He's your shepherd and responding. But in turn, when you go, that nether sheep is going to follow you. And you maybe can't do anything else. You're not their shepherd, but you're just going. And the next sheep follows. And the next sheep, oh, it's time to go. It's time to go. And they begin to follow. And you influence, you first obey. And then you influence those around you. And then you get to go out to all those who, quote, are up above you. Either really are or just your neighbor. And you begin to share by example. You begin to serve. You lead by example. Let's just go ahead and talk to God for a moment. Jesus, we worship you and we praise you. And God, I just want to encourage this church tonight. Oh, God that they would influence and impact those around them because this world is looking to them when they sit and they walk into the room and it becomes an issue about morality, about the corruption of our world, about the struggles that people are going through in their situations. Oh God, we've been through problems and struggles. We're fighting through some of them right now. But yet people are looking over and they're all of a sudden saying, wait a second, what do I do here? And in the middle of this, God, we're just children. Oh, but you stand behind us in your authority and help us, God, to submit ourselves to you and follow your word and serve just as you served, oh God, and to lead, oh God, and to lead others to you. Help us, God, to fulfill your scripture and to do your will and to follow you in all aspects, in our lifestyle, in our prayer, in our worship, in our obedience to everything in your word. I ask you to encourage this church and go with them. And when they go to their homes, God, you're already waiting and that you'll be there with them. And when it's time to go to the job, oh God, we'll know that you're there and you're waiting for us because that's where you have put us in the mission. We worship you, we praise you, and we thank you. Hallelujah. Let's give him a hand clap. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are holy, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, God bless you. Thank you for coming tonight. And we will see you next year. All right. Don't forget your bread programs and 30 days of prayer.